want to know how to make bank with a hyper niche podcast? Since starting the Vertical Farming Podcast in early 2020, I've generated over, as of today, $87,000 in sponsorship revenue. My guest today, Hair Duran, is going to show how he broke free from the standard CPM-based sponsorship model. The current pricing averages out to probably a thousand plus per episode. And pulls back the curtain on exactly how he lines up all his sponsorship deals. I was like, well, for $9,000, you could sponsor the entire first season. He thought about it for a few minutes. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So let's chat with Harry and find out how to make bank with a hyper niche podcast. Harry, pumped to have you on, dude. Let's just dive right into what, what people want to hear. How much money have you made on your podcast and in what time period? So since starting the Vertical Forming Podcast in early 2020, I've generated over, as of today, $87,000 in sponsorship revenue. How many downloads on average per month do you get on the show? Per month, we release a show every week and they get about two to 3,000 downloads per episode. So we're talking 10K range per month for downloads. Was that like in the beginning, like when you started this, did like episode one drop? You got 3,000 downloads on it? Yeah, episode one got a lot of visibility because I was very intentional when building the show, uh, making sure it was going to be a high visibility show. So I interview CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. So I knew that as an unknown in the space, I wanted people to see the back catalog and say like, wow, like you've had that person on that, but like the, basically the who is who of the industry. And also use it as a feeder because as I would start doing outreach for future CEOs to come on, once they saw who was on there, it'd be like a no-brainer. They'd be like, oh, my peers are on there. I probably should be on this show. To, to kind of give people an idea, the last time I looked, the kind of industry CPM or cost per thousand listeners on a show is somewhere between like $18 and $25, yeah. depending on your industry and yeah. stuff like that. At that rate, what is that like? Yeah, I mean, if I was bucks? doing, let's say 3000 on the high end per episode, and that's $25 CPMs, we're talking $75 per episode across four episodes a month, which would be a grand total of $300. 300 bucks. And what are you averaging right now if you broke it down on like a per episode basis? The current pricing averages out to probably a thousand plus per episode, if you did the math on that. But I don't really price it from a downloads perspective. And this is something that's really important. Like from day one, if you look at my sponsorship kit, there's zero mention of my downloads. Um, and I was conscious of that. And I wanted to make sure that how I position my offer to sponsors is the fact that they get visibility in a hyper niche show across all the platforms that I have at my disposal. So it's the podcast, it's a newsletter. I grabbed all the socials before I even started the show. So Vertical Farm Pod on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, those combined socials now have a total of, I think last time I counted, probably close to 12,000 followers across all those socials. So I was conscious of the fact that I'm building this real estate because I knew I wanted a lot of different places to be promoting. Cause it's not just the standard ad read. It's not just, oh, you get a pre-roll and a post-roll. It's you'll get tagged in Instagram. You'll get tagged on Twitter. You'll get, you'll get a mention. Every time I sign up a new sponsor or they renew, I do a long LinkedIn post and I say, thank you for my sponsor for com for being on the show. And I talk about them all the time. And that's really gold for anyone who's looking to get exposure from a marketing perspective. Yeah. And you weren't the vertical farming expert three years ago, were you? No, not at all. I just had zero, I had zero visibility in space, but I've been podcasting since 2014 and I've got a, a podcast agency since 2015. So I was comfortable with those two aspects of it. I knew I could do long form interviews. And I knew I could produce a high quality show. So I had those two pieces. And so as I started those early conversations with folks in the space, I focused on like the news sites where people were talking about the industry, because those were the easier ones, the low hanging fruit to get on the show. And then I just did sort of like the stair stepped my way and saying, 
I identified five to 10 people in the space. And I said, I'm going to talk to these people. Once I started scheduling them and getting them booked, I would change the language and I would say, I've booked time with these people. They're going to be on the show. And then obviously, once you get those first ones recorded, you're like, I've recorded an episode already with this person. So as you start to you know use that, those first couple are, are a little hard because if you don't have a lot of visibility in a space, you have to sell you know the show a little bit more. But once you get that forward motion, that flywheel is in motion, it starts to get easier and easier to get uh, folks on the show. When you started building out this little vertical farming media empire that you have, how did you even become aware of the industry that is vertical farming? Because I guarantee 90% of the people listening, probably higher, have never even heard of the concept or at least know anything about it. One of my clients had given me a book called Abundance by a guy named Peter Diamandis. He's known for writing about like future technologies. He's, he's got a, a great newsletter called Mindset Monday. So he hangs out in that, you know, Tony Robbins space with all those folks talking about what the future is going to look like. And there was a chapter on food and it talked about vertical farming and it mentioned this book called The Futures Vertical Farming by a professor at Columbia University, Dixon Despommier. Really short book. I, I read through that book. I ordered it on Amazon. And I was like, this industry looks interesting. And I started doing research. What was important for me is that it's a growing industry with a lot of funding. Because for me, I, I was in marketing for like 20 plus years. I worked at JP Morgan Chase and E-Trade. So it's very interesting to know that marketing departments have budgets that need to be spent. I remember at E-Trade, the finance people would come down towards the end of the year and they're like, hey, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. So they'd be like, oh, where are we going to spend these marketing dollars? And we're talking like $100,000, like a lot of money. And for podcasters, they think really small. They're like, well, if I get $100 for my show, like I'll be happy. And if you're in an industry that's growing, which is what I saw with vertical farming, I think the projections at the time were like $12 billion by 2026 or something like that. I'm like, okay, in my mind, the math that I was doing is when companies get funded, they raise their first rounds. They're typically a million dollars, $3 million, $5 million. Typically the first spend is going to be marketing, right? And so they're going to spend those dollars that they just got to grow visibility and exposure for the company. So I was already thinking about that. And again, probably helps that I was in marketing, corporate marketing to have that mindset. I was like, well, I'm going to call it something obvious. No one knows who I am. Why am I going to make them work harder to find the show? I'm going to call it Vertical Farming Podcast. And then thinking SEO, I grabbed the domain verticalfarmingpodcast.com. So if you Google those three words, it's the first thing that shows up in Google. And so I, I was making it easy for people to find the show. And so people who are in the industry are looking for a show about vertical farming, they're probably going to find my show right away. And that's what's been happening because that's the feedback that I get. But again, I and then I was conscious as a podcaster that I wanted to over deliver because you're the podcaster and you own the properties, you can do whatever you want. I can do an ad read. I can do a press release. I can mention them on all my socials. And that's why I didn't want to just promote it on my current socials or my other podcasts. I wanted to create socials just for this because I knew I'd be essentially all I would be doing on those socials is promoting the episodes. And it's so funny how like some of those socials have grown bigger than my personal socials. And it's funny because all I do is promote the episode. And like, I think the Instagram is 5,000, the LinkedIn page is 5,000. And it just shows that there was a hunger for people who were looking for this type of information. And like I said, being conscious of interviewing the decision makers in this space was a conscious decision as well. When you started to build all this out, you lined up the first guest and you kind of did this kind of like cascading strategy, right? Where you leverage one person's name to the other, to the other, to the other. At what point did you start engaging with sponsors? Part of it is timing. Late 2019, got the idea started in motion February, March of 2020, which you might remember there was something else happening around that time as well. COVID hits. 
And I remember asking one of my early guests, David Farquhar of a company called Intelligent Growth Solutions out of Scotland. And I said, do you still want to have this interview? And he's like, yeah. And I said, well, I'm looking for sponsors for the show. And so this is going to be specifically focused on the vertical farming industry. And he's like, well, just talk to my marketing guy in Chicago. He connected me, a guy by the name of Jeff, and we had a great conversation. And I was thinking about these conferences that were shut down, right? There's no more conferences. And I was like, how much were you spending at these booths in these conferences? And he's like $20,000, you know, for a booth. And I was like, okay. In my mind, I did simple math. I was like, what's half of that minus one? <laughs> That's basically what I said. I was like, well, for $9,000, you could sponsor the entire first season of the show. I'm thinking seasons. This is important too. From a marketing perspective, a season is 13 weeks and a quarter. I think about it as quarters. Marketing people, they think about this, their decisions in quarters and their budgets in quarters and fiscal quarters and all this sort of stuff. So all that was in my mind. And he thought about it for a few minutes. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And so I hadn't even released an episode. So I hadn't even released that episode of the podcast. And I lined up my first sponsor. And that's when the light went off. And I was like, this is interesting because now I understand and I just validated the idea that marketing departments are open for ways to spend their dollars in a way that gets them a lot of visibility. And I was custom designing a platform and an audience that was going to be specifically just talking about vertical farming. It was very obvious that, that this, that's what the show is going to be about. So IGS came on as my first sponsor and I just over-delivered like the heck out of it. I gave him the pre-roll. It's an interesting pre-roll because it's not even like a, I don't even do a cold open. You know, most podcasts, they'll do like a 20 second sound bite of the interview to start the show and then it's the music and that's the host and then it's the ad read the very first thing on my show is the read for the sponsor so if you play one of the episodes it'll say if you're in the space for looking for a broker you know the, i talk about my current sponsor cultivated because i was like whatever i can do at my disposal to to over deliver and that's that's a demonstration to them that i'm over delivering they get the post roll then i'm like okay i have all these social media properties that i've been building up over the past couple of months so they get tagged when the show it's published on all the socials tagged so i figure out what their handle is on instagram what their handle is on twitter i do all the research for that and I asked them for the copy to read on the show. If there's a press release, recently my, my current sponsor Cultivated raised a new round. They had a press release. I posted that press release on all my socials and I pinned it as well because now all the socials that you pin that first post and for a, for a whole week, it cost me nothing extra to do that, but it shows them that I'm going above and beyond and I'm basically trumpeting the fact that I have a sponsor. I recently spoke at Podcast Movement about this concept of sponsorship and how I had success with this show. I talked about my sponsors at Podcast Movement, like, and there was like one person there who was like from the world of ag tech, but, but I'm just always open. You know, I talked about IGS here. I talked about Cultivated here. I'm doing it here. Like I'm always talking about my sponsors. I have this mantra is treat your sponsors like gold because you just never know who's listening. You never know how it may get back to them. And it's so much easier when it comes time for renewal to say, Hey, you know, I have this thing in my sponsorship deck that I call first right of refusal for renewals. And I'll say, Hey, Ryan, I'm, I'm about to go out and get new sponsors for the show for the next season. But obviously since we've had such a good relationship, you know, you have the, the option to renew you get the, the first option to do that and you know nine times out of ten that's what happens and that's what happened with cultivated they were the season four sponsor i said i've got season five coming up and they're just like well yeah i mean we're not giving this up he's like we have people come to us and say we heard you on the podcast how did you start the relationship with cultivated like did you interview the the founder or somebody in the c-suite there yeah i think uh what happened is they were just getting started in the space as well i think they hadn't even raised their first round he had heard a fellow ceo of one of the other companies i think from aerofarms on the podcast because he was getting into the space and they're a broker they help people find deals and it's it's free to use their service because they get paid by the company that eventually they connect with the farmer. He told me the story now, but basically like they had some bootstrap funding and he's like, I want to sponsor this podcast. He's like, because 
I think this is a really good opportunity to get our name out there. And and the timing worked out because I basically went above and beyond to deliver for them. Funny story, I was in Dubai recently with them and two of the employees that work at Cultivated got their job because they heard me interview their CEO on the show. And they're like, this company's cool. They reached out to one of them, reached out to him on Instagram, on DM, and eventually like they got hired. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And when you start that conversation with a new potential sponsor, what does that look like? I know you said you don't talk like specific numbers, which is smart, right? Because most people, when they think sponsorships, they think CPM and they'll quickly do the math and yeah. be like, bad deal, <laughs> yeah. right? How do you yeah. position it so that you know, they're not immediately saying, well, how big's your show? Sure. How many downloads do you get? Well, it's interesting because I already wanted to build a show that was going to get, um, like I said, visibility and be seen as the premier show in the space. So obviously when you call it something like Vertical Farming Podcast, you're already positioning it as the show for the space. And then it was a conscious effort to interview CEOs and founders. So like 95% of the guests have been like CEOs and founders. So naturally when I'm speaking to a CEO and the conversation's over and we've like, quote unquote, stopped, you know, we stop the recording and we're just like hanging out in the green room after like a conversation like this, you know, I was like, oh, we have sponsorship opportunities opening up for next season. If you're interested, I can send you in some information. And he's like, yeah, we're working through our budgets or we're going through, you know, we're possibly looking at something next year. So just send some information along. And it's so much easier to have that conversation with a CEO because he's basically going to be like, okay, just talk to my marketing guy. So it's basically like a top down approach. I'm speaking to the decision maker at the company. And that was conscious like a, cause I want to build that relationship with them. So they're having an hour long conversation with me. And the first couple is a bit intimidating. Cause I'm just like, well, I, I don't know a lot about the space. So what I focused on in terms of the, the topic, cause I, I know some viewers and listeners might be thinking about like, what the hell are you talking about? If you, if you don't know about vertical farming, but I, I cut my teeth on podcasts junkies origin stories man people love origin stories people love to hear like how companies got started where they got their inspiration from and you just kind of like walk them through that process and you really build that rapport like usually the first 10 15 minutes is really like warm-up questions like oh where are you from what was like like living in that town what's what's a little known fact about that town that most people don't know about i'm not talking about anything about vertical farming and by the time we start getting into the company i just have them talk about like where the hell did you get the idea for this or how long you've been doing it and it's a new industry so it's not like something they've been doing for 20 years most of them have been doing it for about three or four years you know max so all these things to build that rapport when you have that conversation i don't talk about sponsorship at all or even mention it until after the conversation as an option if they're interested and i don't do it for everyone because it depends how the conversation goes you play it out and you see if there's if you vibe with the person but like hey we've got some sponsorship opportunities and and that's how some of those happen again top down because they're the decision maker if you think about the inverse of that you're trying to like find out who the marketing contact is on linkedin and just send it to like some sort of like marketing associate in the hopes that yeah. it'll get make its way up to a decision maker so i was just conscious about speaking with the decision makers from the get-go and do you give them like so you talk to the ceo ceo's like talk to the head of marketing it's jim bob when you reach out to jim bob do you give him like a a one sheeter that's like here's the here's the overview of like what i have to offer yeah definitely i'm a big fan of a tool called notion it's similar to evernote uh, notion.so it's a, it's a fantastic tool for creating a lot of these templated sites that are very easy to maintain so i always have notion open up on my second monitor and i can always change things on the fly 
you can immediately make those pages available as a web page. So the timing was great because Notion allows you to embed graphics in there. Essentially what happens is I walk people through an overview. It's, just, it's essentially I'm telling the story about the podcast and the visibility. I talk about who I am. I show all the socials. So I'm showing them the platform. I do not mention downloads. I said, this is the visibility. This is the platform reach of this show. And then I start to show them like, here are the past guests. So now you're looking, we're talking about five seasons, 70 plus episodes. So if you're considering sponsoring the show, you're like, oh my God, like that's the CEO of this company. That's the CEO of this company. Like people are going to be listening to this because they want to see these people talk. A lot of the CEOs don't give a lot of interviews because they usually have their marketing guy jumping on these podcasts, not them. I've heard some people say like, it's very rare that I got to hear the CEO talk about the business. And so you're just one of the few shows that he's actually been on. You're thinking about a marketing person looking at this and saying, okay, this is a highly visible show. I then show all the reviews. So on my show, I actively solicit reviews. I, I use a service called ratethispodcast.com. It's a free service if you've just got one show. I say, if you're enjoying this episode or past episodes, leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. We'll be sure to read those out on future episodes, which I do. They come in, I read them out, but also I take the screenshots. So I show all the screenshots. Now I'm building social proof, right? And then I show them, um, we were able to play with the categories in iTunes because you can pick three categories. I picked management and I think science, but there was a, another category category that was related. It's called nature. And I was like, well, it's kind of like nature, you know, farming. So I switched it to that category. It jumped to within, I think the following week to number one in about 10 different countries. One of them, Kenya, for example, so smaller countries, but in the nature category, it jumped to number one. So I was like, okay, took screenshots of all that stuff. And now it's pretty, it's hovered around, you know, for a lot of these countries, Italy, I think it's gotten top 10, but I can now say I have the number one podcast in vertical farming. So a lot of folks in marketing, they're coming into podcasting for the first time. So you're educating them. So you have to kind of show them all these different ways in which this is a, a viable platform for them. And then only after I've painted that whole picture for them, then do I get into the pricing and then I break it out where I make it very cost prohibitive to do one episode. I think it's like $1,200 or $1,500 if you just want to do one. I package it as a season. So it's 13 episodes. Right now it's 15K for a season, right? And then um, there's an option to do two seasons if you want. And I position it and I show the per episode cost. So if you do a season, this is what it comes out to per episode. If you do six episodes, it's a little less, but the per episode is higher. And then obviously if you do one, it's just like super cost prohibitive. And I tell people like you, you don't really get the value of sponsoring one show. You know, it's that sales maxim that they, someone needs to hear your product mentioned, whatever it is, six times, seven times, whatever the number is. But you know, you have to educate them on the benefits of it. But by the time they've gotten to this page, they're like already like half sold because they've had the experience to be on the show with me or they see it as a viable option. One of my previous guests was a consultant in the space. Someone heard his episode, reached out to him, started working with him. When he got the email from me that I'm looking for sponsors, he immediately like emailed me back. He's like, yes, I'm interested. And he told me that story and he's like, I've already experienced firsthand the benefit of getting visibility on the show. So why wouldn't I like maximize that and just be on every single episode? So it's just an interesting way to think about like where the opportunities are for people who are willing to invest to see the return. Yeah, it's so cool. I love how this has grown and evolved for you. Do you see this getting to be a bigger business to where you could like focus more of your time on this? Yeah. I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, one, of the, one of the things we were talking about before we started recording was the current sponsor just flew me to Dubai. He texted me. He's like, hey, we're sponsoring a conference in Dubai. It's in vertical farming. 
and we want to highlight our partners. Could we get you there to interview some of the CEOs on the site? I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> they flew me out there. Great experience. And it was nice to get to work with the sponsor directly. So essentially for two days, I'm hanging out with the whole Cultivated team. I, I almost felt like one of their team members. So there's been discussions about how I can get more deeply integrated with them from a media perspective, working to my strengths. But also I'm always thinking as a podcaster, like staying in my wheelhouse, I've talked about uh, with another previous guest, developing a series, just if you thought vertical farming was niche, I was thinking about something specifically for container farms, which are shipping containers that are converted into farms and doing a 10 part series called container farm stories, right? Again, call it what it is. Don't, don't over-engineer the name, you know, call it what it's going to be. So people see it and just kind of think, you know, high levels thinking like 15 K produce 10 episodes. So that's one idea and also building my visibility in the space i want to talk to the people who are funding these projects and so if you think about the vcs right ag tech the broad name for the space but who are the vcs in the ag tech space so i was like well the only way to build those relationships in the same way i did with this show why don't i interview the founders of these vcs and i'm calling it ag tech funder stories <laughs> like i'm just going to name it what it is but i want to build that relationship because if you're thinking about projects you want to start if i wanted to build out this media company i wanted to look for funding for it you know if i've had 10 conversations with VCs in the space and they know me on a first-hand basis because I've had an hour-long face-to-face conversation with them. It's going to be so much easier to say, I've got this other project. I'm looking for a little bit of funding for it. Do you know anyone in the space who could help? Again, always thinking about ways to build my network. And then lastly, I've had a couple of conversations with smaller companies in the space interviewing their CEOs who need help from a marketing perspective, which is in my wheelhouse. I can help them from a marketing perspective, I'm beginning to know, learn more about the industry. And those discussions are around support from them with an exchange for equity, like a small equity percentage of a company in the space. So yeah, the short answer is like, there are a lot of opportunities if you're creative about how you begin to leverage this visibility that exists in the space. So it's, it's been really interesting um, to see what's possible. And I, I certainly am not going to tell you that on day one, when I started it, that, that, that I thought this was going to happen, but I'm just open to seeing where there are opportunities that play to what my strengths are. And you kind of talked about these other verticals that you're looking at within the, the current niche that you have. What I'm curious about is for someone listening or help for, for myself, like if I wanted to tackle like a niche show like this, spin up a, a very niche project, uh, sounds super interesting. I know because you went through this process, I don't know, I assume that you went through this process that you're your gears have turned on other industries and niches and things like this. Like what is something that you think could work that you either don't have the desire or capacity to execute on? It's been interesting to see what's been happening in the future of food space, right? Because I started subscribing to newsletters. This is a newsletter called Food Hack. So like plant-based proteins, cellular proteins, like they're, they're farming like meat in labs now. And I'm seeing the funding, I'm seeing the newsletter, I'm seeing like the millions of dollars that these companies are getting. And so in my mind, I'm like, the funding equals marketing dollars, right? I even, I remember uh, like last year, I registered cellularagriculture.com because <laughs> I'm curious, I was, I was cellular proteins or something along those lines. I'm seeing like, oh, I see this like lab-based meat thing that's taking off. And I'm just like, naturally, I don't have the bandwidth to be a host for all these shows. So, you know, is there a play where I can spin off the, the concept and just hire someone to do the hosting? Because, you know, obviously, if you've got a good host, then you can take care of all the rest of it. Just do some studies. I think uh, last week I was just Googling high-performing industries or industries that are fastest-growing industries in 2023. Just kind of do a little bit of search with Google, but you could very quickly figure out 
use tools like Crunchbase, which I did as well. You can literally see the companies. You can see the dollar amounts that are, they're getting funded. And I'm sure Crunchbase itself probably has the fastest growing industries. Is that a, is that like a prerequisite? So like you would identify like a, a niche or kind of like this idea. And then is one of the first things you do is to like validate that there's actually money coming into yeah. this industry? Yeah, I think so. Because I think you want to play in the space that is growing and that's getting funding, right? And otherwise you're having to work harder to get dollars. I could have started a podcast around like beekeeping, but like... I'm not going to be landing multi-thousand dollar sponsors in that space, even if it is yeah. something that I'm super passionate about and I create the best podcast and I view the most amazing folks in the space. And that's for, for someone who wants to do that, that's fine. But I really thought about it. I want to grow visibility in the space, but I also want to be smart about it. And I, I don't want to be struggling to maintain the show. I want to grow my visibility, but I also want it to be profitable. So it, it relieves the stress, as you might imagine, if you've got the show funded already and it's a viable business opportunity for you because it just starts to open up other doors as well. As you kind of started to build out this business, what's something that happened that you had no idea would be a side effect or an outcome that happened from you starting this? I mean, being flown to Dubai. <laughs> That was certainly like, uh, you know, eye-opening because it sort of validated all the work I had done up until that point because they saw that the partnership was growing. They really saw the value in maintaining that and growing it and ensuring like looking for other ways to expand on it. And what was interesting is when I was on site in Dubai, there were a couple of moments when the CEO was like, hey, we've got this partner that's here. They had a camera crew there. So they were shooting a lot of stuff, promotion for their company. And they're like, hey, Harry, would you mind doing like a quick interview with this person? And a lot of times, like you don't realize like the skill set that you have, but I'm 370 plus interviews in between my two shows. So I'm very comfortable. I have a high level idea of what I want to talk about. I don't need to know the specifics, but I was doing on the spot 20 minute interviews for my sponsor. And I felt very comfortable. It was interesting because the, the guest would be, they'd have a bunch of notes. One guest had his phone lined up. He had all his talking points already lined up in front of him. My goal was to make sure he never had to look at those notes. And I was just like, hey, so just tell me. Like I, and we spoke for about 20 minutes and he was just like, oh my God, I felt so comfortable. I didn't feel stressed at all. I didn't feel like overwhelmed. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I, sometimes I forget like that's a superpower I have. I can like do interviews and I can make people feel comfortable. And it's something that's, that's, you know, I've known cause I can do it like remotely, like we do here, but it's nice to know that you have that skill set, and that's something that's valuable to people. Not a lot of people know how to have like an interview with someone and, and make them feel, make the guest feel relaxed. And that's, a, that's a really good skill to have. And it was a bit of an aha moment for me. Cause I was doing it like on the fly on site. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is where I'm clearly adding value because there's no one else on their team that can do this in a way that, you know, where they feel as comfortable doing it as I do. Love that. That's so cool. Cool. So someone gets an idea and they want to explore it. If you had to break it down into like a number of steps, three steps, four steps, what would you say those steps are, right? Identify idea, right? Check if there's funding coming in. Like wh what would you yeah. say that looks like? You'd have to pick a topic. I think that somewhat interests you. And the minute I saw it, I'm like, this is fascinating. I love like the, where the future is going. And if you think about it logically, like climate change, sustainability, like I mean, COVID was like a huge wake up call for everyone's supply chain issues. I was like, holy shit, this is like, this is needed, you know, and I'm a bit of a spiritual person. So I'm just like always looking for like, how, how do we better humanity? And this is, this fits in that category. And so for me personally, it's something that was like, the more I learn about it, the more I love what I'm hearing and the more I see the potential for it to handle a lot of the pressing problems in the world. I mean, Dubai, that whole UAE region, like they get 90 to 95% of their food imported. It's bananas like you think about food deserts and 
access to fresh food and just growing up in the city, I was very cognizant of the fact that like people get their food from like a bodega. <laughs> so I was like, what's a topic that you're, that you're passionate about? You don't have to be the expert in, but you have an interest in learning about it because that'll come through. Again, it's important. That's a growing industry that's getting funding if you want to follow this model. So do a little bit of research. Crunchbase is a great way to see which, which companies are getting funded in the space and then build a high visibility platform. Like I said, I interviewed CEOs, right? I wanted to make sure that I was having those conversations with decision makers. Don't make people work hard to find the show. Like sometimes people overthink this. And then we talk about this in the agency as well. Call it what it is. Like when people see the show, it should be pretty clear what it's about. So Vertical Farming Podcast. Yeah, we were saying that yeah. <laughs> before we started recording. When you have a niche show, people shouldn't have to try to figure out what this show is yeah, about. No, because you're just making them work harder. I've had people tell me people that are in the space looking for a job in the space they're like oh i'm really want to learn about this industry i googled vertical farming podcast or i, I was on apple podcast and i looked for a show on vertical farming and your show came up as a podcaster like i knew this is what was going to happen people are using spotify as a search engine now they're using apple Podcasts as a search engine now get those keywords specifically about your industry and the more niche the better like focus on carbon neutral projects or recycling, like whatever the terms are in that specific industry, because it'll help people find it faster who are, who have that passion for that specific industry. And then think about all the different ways you can be active in there and learn about it. And that's why I grabbed all the socials because I was like, what's happening? What's hashtag vertical farming? Like that's an easy one, right? So just thinking about what's the easiest way for, for me to get educated about what's happening in the space, and then make sure you have the ability to build something that's high quality and really just over deliver on those first episodes and just really go deep and deliver a high quality experience for the guests. And essentially you're creating a platform that doesn't exist for that industry. Think about it from that perspective, like where I can very quickly be seen as the premier platform in the space, because that's what's happened here. There were other vertical farming podcasts. I didn't listen to them. I was like, I'm not going to like try to outperform what they're doing or just like out industry them because I don't know it. So I'm going to stay in my wheelhouse and I know how to do a good interview. I know how to connect with a person on a human to human level. I knew, I know how to get personal stories out of people in a way that resonates with my audience. So I was like, I'm going to do that. And that's what people re resonated with. At the end of the day, it's podcasting 101. It's stories, right? Like everyone loves a good story and regardless of who you're speaking to. So where can people check out the, the podcast and where can they connect with you more? So the, the podcast is verticalfarmingpodcast.com. So that's a domain. If you search for it on any podcast app, just uh, those three words, vertical farming podcast, they'll probably be the first thing that pops up. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I've started being more consistent with uh, my weekly newsletter. So uh, harryduran.com. It's been a, a way to kind of share my journey, my entrepreneurial journey, my personal journey, uh, and, and talk about some of the stuff that we talked about here as well. So any, any one of those places would be good. Love it. Love it, dude. Appreciate you coming on and kind of breaking this down. Uh, it's been super, super fascinating to learn about. It's cool to see the the success you've had around this individual topic and and the fact that you're already looking to expand it into more than it is, is pretty fascinating. Yeah. I, I might have to come back, uh, in the year, let you know what, what's happened <laughs> since then. Yeah, yeah. Part two. All right. I appreciate you having Hold me on. Then. Yeah, man.